This is Behind Closed Deals. We'll be chatting with multifamily maestro. Uncovering their strategies. And unraveling the latest market happenings. Bringing you intel you can't buy. Hello. Uh, welcome to our podcast by the Midwest Multifamily Team. Uh, this is the our first recording, and the name of our podcast is Behind Closed Deals. And unlike other podcasts, we are not asking for money and raising equity. We're actually talking <laughs> about what's happening in the uh, multifamily market in the Midwest. So I would like to introduce our team on the podcast today is myself, George Tikajan, Hannah Ott, and Cameron Benz. We are 75% of the sales team. In addition to the three of us, Claire Bullard is a member of the sales team. So those are the four of us. And then we have six other team members who uh, keep the trains running on time and keep the trains on the track. So we've got two marketing folks, Christine Nealis and Carrie Ballard who uh, produce all of our materials and make, uh, make our jobs much easier. And then also we have a transaction manager. Her name is Kimberly Fetzer, and she does transactions from contract through closing. And then we have a couple of very, very talented analysts, Logan Broniker and Ryan Stockcamp, who do all of our financial analysis. And then finally, we have Jennifer Brown, who keeps keeps us all on track and does scheduling and client service, the client services coordinator. So the 10 of us work out of Indianapolis, in, we're based in Indianapolis. We work throughout the state of Indiana selling apartment properties. And then we also work in the states of Michigan, Ohio, and with partners in um, in uh, in Missouri and in Wisconsin and in Illinois. So we've got partners in other offices who we work with uh, in, in some of those states. So uh, we uh, have a long experience of selling apartments between the Hannah Cameron and I. George, your experience is, is it 100 years? Are we at 100 years yet? <laughs> well, if I look like I'm 100, then uh, uh, my, uh, my, daily makeup uh, <laughs> regimen is working. The Botox is working. Keep Botox it up. Botox is working. The no, Botox uh, is working. We, we probably have uh, 70 years of experience between the three of us, and I'm not going to say how many <laughs> each of us have because <laughs> Hannah does not look as old as uh, her experience would indicate. And, and I'm Cameron's... proud of my age. You know how long it takes to get over 20 years of experience? over 20 years. So you got to get that. You got to <laughs> got to put the time in. So I'm 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 proud of it. We've worked together for a long time. Not only have we been doing multifamily brokerage for a long time, but we have had teammates. We've had the same teammates for a long time. So we've got a great group of folks that we're all very proud of. So today is our since it's our inaugural broadcast uh, podcast, excuse me. We're just going to sort of ad lib some of the things we're going to talk about. We'll let Cameron get started. What do you want to start talking about, Cam? 
Yeah, the goal of today's podcast is just to give an overview of where we are in today's market. So that would be August 2023. Um, and that's pricing, inventory, what your offer summary looks like after going through a marketing process and trends we're seeing in closing after that. So Hannah, what would you say the inventory on the market is like today compared to a year ago, compared to five years ago? Yeah, good question. So nationally, the inventory is about half of what it was in 2021. So looking at the whole nation, Midwest has fared better than the rest of the nation because what we have continued to have is strong, robust rent growth. And that has really been our the savior of our market for the last year and a half as interest rates have been going up. For the first time in my 20-year career and the first time in George's 40-plus year career. Um, or wait, no, is it 40, George? Almost. Almost 40. In his almost 40-year career. <laughs> 39 Sorry, years. prematurely aging you. In his 39-year career, about a year and a half ago, Indianapolis was at the top of the market, top of the nation for rent growth with 10 to 12% rent growth. Rent growth has moderated across the nation. In some places, rent, rents have gone backwards, but we have stayed strong and we are back again. We are at the top again. We went to the third place for a month or so and we're back as of July. Yardy has, Yardy Matrix has Indianapolis at the top of the nation again with rent growth between five and 6%. So we have continued to have good, good inventory. It is less than before. So for example, our team in 2021 sold almost 60 deals. In 2022, we sold 52 deals, and this year we'll probably sell 45 or so. Um, but what we hear from a lot of people consistently is, wow, I can't believe how many deals are still you guys are still bringing out, that you guys still have volume and activity, and there's still an appetite to buy in our market because of all the great things about doing business in the Midwest, but also because of our really strong rent growth. And also, we have uh, owners who, even with higher interest rates and higher cap rates, who purchased properties three to five years ago, who, who can still sell them today, even maybe for a little bit less than they would have sold it for a year ago, and make money. So there are still some people who are saying, I'm going to take some profits now and uh, maybe build a war chest for when there's even better deals. Yeah. There's no doubt, though, that the equilibrium of uh, power in a transaction between seller and buyer it has is more steady. So, as you know, in 2020 and 2021, the sellers really could ask for just very seller-centric terms, short time periods, very limited due diligence, very large non-refundable deposits um, up front, and most of most often we were if we were asking 50 million, we were selling the property for 54, 55 million. There's much more of an equilibrium between um, buyer and seller power in a transaction, in that the terms have kind of gone back to what we're seeing more normally. Instead of 30 offers, we're at 15 offers instead of a million dollars hard on every single deal. We're still selectively getting non-refundable deposits, but often we're not. Um, and buyers are having the opportunity to have a more typical and normal due diligence and, and transaction. Another reason for the reduction in uh, volume is that in the market right now, since there's such a significant difference between short-term rates and long-term rates, today, 
deals really only make sense if you can finance it using a fixed rate permanent mortgage, a seven to 10 year mortgage, because uh, properties that aren't ready for a permanent loan have to have a bridge loan and bridge loans are generally floating rate loans and the interest rates are much higher on floating rate loans. So in 2021 and early part of 2022, most of the properties that we sold were properties that were financed using floating rate debt at sub 4% interest rates. Today, that same loan would probably be six and a half to eight percent interest rate and um, so any deals that can't be financed with a fannie fannie mae freddie mac or hud loan whose interest rates are closer to six percent um you know just isn't those deals aren't going to sell they're not yeah. going to trade there's a lot of noise in the market too that buyers and sellers are hearing of um uh, that really isn't true, like there that there are no deals selling, that there's total gridlock, that people are not getting debt. Um, the buyer profile has changed. And Cameron, you talked to tons of buyers throughout the um, throughout the week. Tell us a little bit about how the buyer profile has changed in the last year. I would say the biggest change in the buyer profile is that there are just a lot of, or there's a few groups that have equity in-house. That's who's actively buying properties because they're believers in today's market. They're not worried about being able to raise equity. And there's a lot of buyers who lost equity sources because the savings rate that their investors are getting is like 5% in the bank. So they're having a hard time getting them to pull that money out of the bank and put it into real estate. Um, so there are a few buyers who are really dominating the market. And they're like, we are believers that today there's good basis there's and prices will go up in the future. And those are the ones who are really coming to the top. That's right. That's right. Um, I remember saying to our team a couple of years ago when there were so many more buyers than there were properties that um, it was hard to keep up with the number of buyers. And I remember saying, I said, at some point this will change. So we got to be good to these buyers who make offers over and over and over again and unfortunately never are able to rise to the top how do we keep them um, motivated to look at our deals motivated to fly in and see the properties because it is it is going to change and to your point about um there's a lot of repeat there's a lot there's a smaller group of buyers but they're buying a lot of properties so we have several groups that are buying three or four properties all at one time that were not as active maybe a couple of years ago because they always offered, but they weren't willing to do the terms that the other groups were like the really hard, to, uh, really large hard deposits or um, really stretching on pricing. And so equity, what's happening in the equity market is driving who really who the the buyers the buyers are. And uh, a colleague of ours at the beginning of this year at NMHC said something that I've remembered throughout the year. He said, "I think this is the year of the basis play." So we're selling newer construction properties now between 200 and 230 a door. A year or a year and a half ago, those same properties would have sold for 250 to $300,000 a door. So maybe their returns are leaner in these first couple of years because of where interest rates are. Their basis is lower. And when you go to sell a property in the future, 
basis matters. If you can sell a property in the future for $300,000 a unit and you bought it at 200, that's a big difference than selling it at 300,000 and buying it at 250. So there's a lot of people that are highly focused on good deals with with what they feel like is is a reasonable basis. So right. and then the other big trend that we're seeing is those buyers that are coming to the top of our offer summaries are basis buyers. And the people who are lower are IRR driven. They're having to advertise higher IRRs and just higher cash on cash to be able to raise equity. The groups who have equity in-house are the ones who are basis buyers and don't care as much to get a high return in year one or need to model to a high teens IRR or whatever it is to be able to get their investors to put money into deals. That's right, that's right. Well, if you put the three of us together in a room and uh, give us a couple questions about real estate, we could talk certainly for hours about it, but I want you guys to know that you're not going to just be hearing from us on the podcast. So we plan to do this every month um, and hopefully, hopefully it'll go well. And if it does, maybe we'll do, end up doing it more often, but we plan to do it at least every month. And one of the th uh, some groups that we plan to bring on are some active buyers so we can hear um, how how it's going with them on raising raising equity, um, interacting with their investors. We're also going to bring in some owners that are selling, and they can talk about perhaps maybe their motivation for why they sold right now and uh, their plans moving forward. We're also going to talk to developers, and we can hear more about construction costs and the process of of building. Uh, we'll bring on some. Um, uh, lenders as well, uh, both brokers and um, some folks from the uh, banks here, so you can hear about about the debt market. But you, so you won't be hearing just from the the three of us. Uh, we'll be bringing additional people on onto the podcast. That's right. That's right. Well, George, what would you say in comparison to today, today's market is the most comparable time in your career uh, where that we're com coming out of a very hot market. Um, buyers are starting to get more equilibrium with sellers. Um, is there another time that you would compare this to? Um, well, it's a pretty unusual time period where interest rates have increased this much this fast. That's yep. not happened in my career. My career started in 84, and the last significant increase in interest rates was in the early 80s, so before my time. There was a period of time, um, we had a downturn in 1990. So in 94, 95, interest rates started to increase and it did cause things to slow down a little bit, but it wasn't from a, a slowdown from a, an exceptionally busy period of time. It was just a slowdown from a normal period of time. So I'd say what we're seeing is is exceptional over for the last 40 years. If you had to guess, how many properties do you think sold in that time frame per year? If we're saying, you know, this year 60 to 70 properties. Um probably somewhere in the 15 to 20. That that mm. really, you know, in most of the years of my career. If you take out the very early years, because from 84 to 87 was another period of time with rapid property sales and turnover because of tax-oriented syndication, which changed with a tax law change in late 86. You take that out, 
most of the time it's been 10 to 25 sales per year. And also don't forget there were a lot fewer properties mm-hmm. during that period of time as well. What yeah. about cap rates? What were cap rates then? Cap rates did not come below seven and a half percent until about um, the late nineties. I think uh, I think ninety seven, ninety eight, when the REITs were very busy buying properties, cap rates came down below seven and a half. But that was really the first time. So. Uh, a six cap sounds high to you since you <laughs> your whole career has been, you know, three and a half to five caps, but a six cap is still pretty good. And and the peak of the last cycle, which was 2007, right before the 2008 downturn, a six cap, when we got down to six caps, that was like, oh my goodness, it's the lowest cap rate we've seen for a long time. So that was the peak pricing in the last cycle. George, you mentioned interest rates. I'm going to put you on the spot, which I know you won't mind, and ask you a question. And this was something that we did this week. Then we were sort of surprised by the answer. So I'll see if you get it. So you talked about interest rates since the 80s. They've really been declining. We were looking at, uh, for a BOV we're doing for a client, is what has the average interest rate been over the last 20 years? So from the 10-year treasury, because that's really the best way to measure it, is what has the average 10-year treasury been from 2000 to 2021? 2.73%. <laughs> They're going to think we made this up. It's 2.66%. Um, what? But if you expand that time frame by five years, so you go by from 1995 to 2021, what is it? What's, that, what's the average 10-year? 375. This is why he's the oracle, my friends. It is 3.6. What we were surprised at, what I was surprised at, and my career really goes from you know about 2000-ish till to now, is if you go back and just add those five years in of the 90s, how much it changes that average interest rate from 2.66 to 3.6, and what it, and the shorter you make that. Because we've been in a declining interest rate environment, the shorter you make that time frame, the lower the rate you, is. You, you know who you can attribute that to? Tell us. Osama bin Laden. <laughs> because, because of Desert Storm? <laughs> because, no, no, this is after Desert Storm. In 2001, <laughs> yeah. in 9-11, the, the Fed lowered interest rates dramatically because the market was freaking out from 9-11. And uh, interest rates went down a lot. Yeah. But you know that you would think that would be good for apartments. It was actually terrible for apartments. The worst period of oh time my, yeah. for apartments was from '02 to '06. Interest rates went down, and then between Clinton and Bush, there were incentives to to buy homes. And uh, during that period of time, in the early to mid 2000s is when anybody who could fog a mirror could buy a home, qualify <laughs> for a mortgage, and it sucked the life out of apartments, even though interest rates went down. So, um, you know, there's always multiple factors that you've got to look at. Um, it, you know, it's not just interest rates, it's also supply and demand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Cameron, who's the number one buyer buying deals in Indianapolis right now? I would say Musing Management. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you guys that don't know Musing Management, and George, correct me since you've had a really long history with them, um, they're an Indianapolis-based, really second-generation family office that is being run by the president, who's not a member of the family, but uh, by a president who's running it on behalf of a of a family. And um, they own only in uh, Indianapolis, MSA, and they're buying, I think, four properties right now, which I don't think they've acquired anything in the last couple of years. Is that right? They bought Waterside in Ooh, that was probably five years ago. About three. Yeah, I think that's three or four yeah, years ago. Three or four years yeah. ago. And um, like a lot of other investors, they've been, they've been more focused on building. So they're they're building a 348 unit property, and they've got some other sites. So he's also working on building. But you know, he missed out on a lot of deals with cap rates in the you know sub five cap rates, and uh, he has a long memory and a long time horizon. So he's looking back to what you're calling basis plays. He's looking back and just saying, you know, if I can buy a property at a five cap or a five and a half cap, even though interest rates are higher and the deals are tight, um, uh, I, I still think it's a it's a better better pricing than we saw a few years ago. And I'll I'll go win some deals, and I'm using my own money. So over the last ten years, he's taken advantage of low interest rates and refinanced their properties. And built up a war chest, and now he's spending some of that war chest. So, Cameron, what does it mean? What does it mean that Musing Management is the most active buyer right now in Indianapolis? To me, what it means is if we're talking about a guy that has a long time horizon, a long memory of previous years, it is buying a lot right now. Probably a pretty good buying opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. He has equity ready to go. And he's buying a lot of properties on the market. He's got to be seeing something. Yeah. To well, me, it also buying, speaks he, to captive he, equity. He doesn't have to go convince anybody, like, yeah, I know right. this or that. He's got captive equity. He's also buying in locations that he wants. He's not going to just go yeah. buy anything. So it's specific locations that are attractive to him. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us today, and uh, we hope you gained some valuable insights and had a little bit of fun with us as, as well. And uh, remember what George always says, you're only as good as your next deal. Ciao. Ciao. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Stay in the loop by hitting that subscribe button. And check the show notes for additional resources.